And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast coming to you live right now, season four, episode four. I'm your host, as always, Robbie Gutierrez at RobG1063. The NAI Ball Podcast is brought to you by none other than our title sponsor, Silverback Sports at shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback on social media. You need to check them out. If you haven't done it already, you need to go and do it. Do do us a favor here at the NAI Ball Podcast. Give them a follow on social media and then hit up their website. Check it out. All of your arm care and training essentials, the things that you need, whether they're for team or individual use, everything you need is at shopsilverback.com. At shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback for social media. They are an NAI made company run by NAI coaches and they are here for you 24 7, 365. It is a company that you need to check out if you hadn't done it already. It's cost efficient arm care and training essentials, not just for anybody, it's for the NAI guy, it's for every single baseball player in the nation it's it it is for anybody it is for anybody cody i mean this is fantastic stuff and ben real does an absolutely fantastic job and we are super thankful to shop silverback for being our title and presenting sponsor what we got going on this week we got our shout outs and mentions as we always do our best of the week and series review we're going to talk a little bit of our nai ball podcast hitter and pitcher of the week we've got an interview our first ever underclassman interview with bruton parker College right-handed pitcher Ben Harris, who has been lights out to start the season. We've got your games and series to watch. And then, of course, our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. But before we get into any of that, we need to bring in the man himself, the foremost authority on NAI Baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, baby, what's going on? How's it going today? I'm just trying to stay warm, brother. It's a Brisk 28 degrees out here in Lawrenceville, so just doing my best to stay bundled, bro. Hey, I totally, totally, totally feel that. It is currently here in McAllen, Texas. We have finally gotten over 40 degrees, and uh, I know the tweets were coming in. Oh, that's nothing. We're minus nine here, but my Cody, man, I've been sending you everything what's going on down here. We dipped into uh, freezing weather uh, for about two, 48 hours. And we've got a hundred thousand people just in my area with, uh, no power. Uh, we have no gasoline in the city and, uh, the Whataburger line, uh, right by my house is down the street, like literally down the street, uh, almost, you know, 50 cars long. And last time I went by there. So, uh, the, the entire state of Texas is kind of reeling right now from this weather. And, and so is so many places in the Midwest and, uh, just everything. Uh, so our, our thoughts and prayers are, are with anybody being affected by the cold right now, anybody without power. I'm fortunate enough to have power and heat on right now while, while so many in our area uh, and around the nation aren't fortunate enough to have that. So we definitely are thankful for that opportunity. Cody, I know you're cold right now. I'm cold. So let's jump into this. Let's get going. Let's talk a little bit about our shout-outs and mentions. Who we're giving a shout-out and a mention to this week? We'll kick things off with St. Catherine head coach Daniel Stange. Won his 100th game in a walk-off win over number 23 Hope International. Vanguard head coach Rob Pegg out in California won his 250th game back on February 6th. He's currently sitting at 255, entering this week's big series of the week. A little preview there for what's coming down the road. 
Southeastern shortstop and preseason All-American Sam Faith went four for four and with three home runs in a game on Saturday, sending an NAI season high with 14 total bases. He finished the doubleheader a perfect seven for seven. Then Fire starting pitcher Drew Gillespie picked up the win, throwing eight shutout innings. The Fire sweep Thomas and the Fire are still undefeated. William Jessup shortstop Kevin Jordan finished the weekend with three home runs and six RBIs in a series sweep over Corbin. Ave Maria freshman Ethan Wood went nine innings without allowing an earned run in his first collegiate debut to win the series opener over Weber International. WIU first baseman Angel Diaz had three home runs and five RBIs in a 2-1 series win over the Gyrenes. Westmont's Alex Stuff and Drew Bayard each drove in six runs in a single game over Simpson on Saturday. The Warriors swept the Red Hawks in four games. LSU Alexandria starting pitcher Seth Trahan opens the season throwing 11 scoreless innings. Hope International teammates Tony Monroy and Brendan McKenzie both hit three home runs in the same game. Lindsey Wilson starting pitcher Brady Cappy went seven innings pitch, no earned runs, and 10 strikeouts in the win over Rio Grande. Warner starting pitcher John Bean went six shutout innings with 12 strikeouts in the win over Edward Waters. Bean now 3-0 on the season. LCSC has rolled through the toughest part of their schedule with 86 runs and 20 home runs in eight games. They're 7-1 on the season. And then Florida Memorial starting pitcher Johnny Keel Acosta went nine innings pitch, one earned run, 10 strikeouts in the series opening win over the University of South Carolina at Buford. USCB ends up taking the series two of three. Cody, there were an awful lot of shout outs and mentions this week, a lot to talk about. Tell me what kind of stood out to you the most this week. Yeah, man, it's America's team, Lewis Clark State College. Uh, you know, we're big LC guys here on this podcast. and. Really impressed with them. They, like we said, they got through the hardest part of their schedule. LC plays four teams the rest of the year. The fifth team they'll play will be in Lewis and at the World Series. So I really think that they're going to run through their schedule. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the country. I mean, I think this is a team that you're looking at could possibly, you know, be a five loss team at the end of the year. So really impressed with LC. I think they're really good and I think that they're going to be a high seed. Yeah, no, I have to agree and, and say that I, I have been impressed with what LC has brought to the table so far to open up the year. They they did not shy away with the beginning part of this schedule going 7-1. and one. Uh, They've got wins over Westmont, Hope International, who they split with. That's their only loss is a split there. Uh, San Diego Christian, Arizona Christian, Ben U, Mesa, and then Arizona Christian once more. So 7-1 and one to start the season. And really looking at it, Jack Johnson has, has really been a force of nature for them, as as have many guys. 440 for Jack Johnson, Riley Way with 443, Dalton Harum, 421. I mean, Dylan Plew, 364. You take a look at this team, Cody, and it's easy to see, you know, why they're hitting 332 with just some of the gaudy numbers up there. They've got multiple players. I think last time I counted, it was six players with two or more home runs on the season, three players, uh, at least two players with four. And then when you look at their pitching, a 342 ERA, their pitching last year is kind of what had what was the trouble part for them. Uh, Jesse Parker has been really good out of the bullpen this year. The craziest part is Greg Blackman has finally given up some runs. Greg Blackman was a guy that made our postseason COVID shortened season team, uh, all all American team last year. He's finally given up some runs to start the year in five innings pitch. But Jesse Parker 
out of the bullpen has been really phenomenal. Uh, just so many guys on that team have have been really good out of you know pitching wise for them. They've got a lot of pitchers. They've thrown a lot of dudes this year. Three forty two team average, three thirty two, you know, uh, team hitting average, and then a three forty two team ERA. LCSC eighty six total runs scored. They've given up thirty one. Pitching was was something that really was to be desired for them last season. And they have they have not shied away. They've really played well. So I, I definitely have to agree with you that that has been kind of the thing that really stands out to me the most. Moving on to our week in review. Had some good ones to go over. We got three main series to look at. And the first one, Cody, was our big series of the week. St. Thomas University beats Kaiser University, they win the Sun Conference Series over Kaiser two games to one. That first game came down to the absolute wire, a one nothing walk-off hit by pitch in game number one, the game being played in Miami Gardens, Florida, then a 13-3 St. Thomas win. And then game number three was 19-18 was the final in nine innings, a win for Kaiser. Taking a look at some of the stats, quick hits here. In game number one, St. Thomas University pitcher Soto, the starting pitcher in that game, had four hits in five innings pitched with nine strikeouts. Pablo Arevalo for Kaiser University had eight innings pitched, six hits, and eight Ks in the loss. Arevalo leads the nation in strikeouts. In game number two, St. Thomas University's Andrew Fernandez went three for four with a home run and three RBIs. And so did Jack Qualley, three for four with a home run and three RBIs in that one. And then in game number three, both teams combined for 37 runs on 39 hits, which, Cody, you know is absolutely disgusting to me uh, as somebody who enjoys good pitching. But that game, the offenses could not be stopped. This was a huge, huge, huge momentum swing for St. Thomas. They're a team that did not have the start that they wanted to open the year. And here they go. It's 11-0 Kaiser, and they come out and take two of three from Kaiser, and they go on top of them as well with the advantage in the Sun Conference standings. Cody, this was a huge win for Coach George Petters' team and St. Thomas University. The boys down in Miami Gardens, Florida, have to be excited after this one. And it's a big-time series, too. Really competitive series. When you look at it, the only one that got away was Game 2. One-run games in Game 1 and Game 3. Pitched really well. Went into the ninth inning with a shutout. Gave up the leadoff double. And then, obviously, St. Thomas, the home team, they were able to manufacture a run. Ended up being a walk-off hit by pitch which is just a brutal way to lose. Uh, Ernesto Pino, we can't talk enough about this guy. He's a dude. Uh, anytime you get him on the mound, you're probably going to win. And uh, that's just been the case so far this year. Pitched really well in game two. Uh, we think he's one of the best pitchers in the country. And game three was wild, but I like games like this. I know you don't. 11 home runs hit in this game. Uh, St. Thomas hit seven. How many times do you see a team hit seven home runs and lose? I'd imagine not very often. Crazy series, really competitive. Uh, big-time matchup, kind of what we expected, why it was our series of the week. And, yeah, it's good for St. Thomas to get the ball rolling. We know they're a good team. We knew they weren't going to be down long. That that first game, and I, I believe we both got to watch that the ending of that first game, which was just absolutely wild stuff there at the end. But that the end of that first game was really tough, Cody, and I don't know if you remember or not because it's been a few days from it, but there were a couple situations there where Kaiser had an opportunity to pick up an out and just – Really, maybe some indecision or uh, miscommunication there kind of led to more St. Thomas runners on base. And then what it came down to ultimately is is just the ball coming out of the hand a little funky for Arevalo. And, 
you know, uh, the, the St. Thomas hitter didn't even get a chance to hit, gets plunked on the first pitch, and that's it. Yeah, it was a tough break, honestly. He pitched really well. Uh, anytime you give up the – I want to say it was the leadoff double, right? Anytime you give up a leadoff double, because, you know, they're playing small ball at that point, they put the bunt down, and like you said, they don't get the out at first, which is horrible. So when you don't get the out, then you have runners on the corners, nobody out, and, you know, they need a sack fly. There's just so many different ways to win. They ended up loading him up, which is a smart play there. And a tough break for Revelo, though. Like you said, he pitched really well. I've been extremely impressed with him. Like if we were going to put a list together of who have been the best pitchers so far this year, he's definitely on that list, though. Georgia Gwinnett and Freed Hardeman met in another big series for us. And Georgia Gwinnett sweeps Freed Hardeman in a battle of the top tens, five to two, four to three, eight to three, all of them in favor of the Grizzlies. Jake DeFries. Went three for four in game number one. Nick Barnes and Livingston Morris go yard in game number two. And then for GGC in game three, four extra base hits. And then Jake DeFries had a three-run homer. Cody, man, this was uh, a huge top ten matchup that really I think Georgia Gwinnett did not have the season start that they wanted and bounces back in a big way a lot like St. Thomas did. This is a big-time series Super Gwinnett. They pitched extremely well. I mean, anytime you can hold a team like that to eight runs in three games, really incredible stuff. Uh, Freed Hardman is a team that actually won four or five against Gwinnett in program history. They're one of the few teams that have actually gotten the better of GGC. Hunter Dolander looked really good. Uh, they passed it off to Tyler Clayton in game two. I mean, just look at the stuff they did. I was really impressed with them pitching-wise. Uh, Freed Hardman only led once in the entire weekend, and they was the top of the first of game three, and then Gwinnett – you know, they got it right back in the bottom half, so they actually never let an inning. I felt like the games were very tight, very competitive, but Gwinnett controlled them throughout, and it's kind of what they needed after last weekend. I want to give a shout-out to Livingston Morris. Uh, three home runs on the season already. He hit two in this weekend series. He's a guy that has really been boom or bust for the most part of his career, but he's been booming lately. He's not striking out this year. Only 4Ks and 21 at-bats. He's hitting 380. Uh, got the three home runs. He's really just been a really good player for them. And he's really progressed his game as I've seen him over the years. He's playing better than I've ever seen him. So hats off to Gwinnett. Good weekend for them. Most definitely. I mean, they they started off with two really tough losses to St. Thomas and Cumberland's out of Kentucky. They bounce back and beat Reinhardt. And then Freed Hardeman comes in to Lawrenceville and they grab three huge victories. Again, GGC sweeps Freed Hardeman University in a battle of top tens there. The Lake Point matchups were interesting to keep an eye on this week, and we did get some video out of there, as you saw if you kept up with us on social media and on Instagram. But Reinhardt sweeps Taylor 6-3, to three, and then 3-2 to two in 11 innings, and then a 6-4 final. Tennessee Wesleyan sweeps IU Southeast 10-9 in game number one, and then it was all Tennessee Wesleyan 17-1, 11-1. Cody, what stood out to you from what happened this weekend at Lake Point? Well, I mean, first and foremost, Tennessee Wesleyan, I mean, my goodness, what they keep doing to the baseball is just unheard of. You know, they're off to one of the most dominant starts I can recall offensively. We knew they were good on paper coming into the year, so it's really not that big of a surprise. But to just go out there and execute it against a high-level team like IUS, really impressive stuff. I mean, we'll get into what Gary Mattis did, six home runs. They need to put a plaque in the wall up at Lake Point for that guy. I mean, he just – was really spectacular. Even Lake Point got into the love. They actually tweeted out a video of Gary Mattis, which was super cool. And then for Reinhardt, big series sweep, man. Really big for them. They lost the game at Gwinnett. You know they wanted 
They didn't like the result, obviously, losing the series against Cumberland. So to go out there and play a Taylor team that had been playing for a couple of weeks, played out in Arizona, played really well, big series sweep. And it all came down to pitching. Those were low-scoring games, and they were really well-pitched games. And Reinhardt's able to just score runs the way they need to. They manufacture runs really well. They're a good small ball team, and they got it done. You know, going back going back to Tennessee Wesley, and that was the first time, and we'll get into Gary Mattis's lines, but that was the first time he saw live in-game competitive pitching this season. That, that was his first weekend playing. So Gary Mattis has just been absolutely impressive. Tennessee Wesley in overall has been just monstrous on the season. I mean, 403 team average, but really, Cody, what I thought coming into that IUS series with two offenses who had performed really well so early in the season was really, it, it came down to pitching. And that's what you and me have talked about with Tennessee Wesleyan, where it's going to come down to pitching this year for them and, and how they how they are on the mound. The year they won the national championship, obviously they were dominant on the mound. They had multiple starters that could go out there and get it done. This team right now has a 220 team ERA in six games in 45 innings, but they're batting 403. And they may have only played six games, but to hold those numbers over a six-game stretch – there are teams in the nation that won't have that over three games. That won't have that over two games. That won't have that one game into the season. So just absolutely impressive for Tennessee Wesleyan to get this done so far in, in this year. I mean, 403 is just a monstrous, monstrous, monstrous average. And it's no surprise that, that they went out there and destroyed the baseball this past weekend. No, I mean, it's, it's just really not. You look at some of the talented players they have on their team. We'll talk about them later, but they're just extremely – well coached, you know, Coach Barry does an outstanding job there and they smash the baseball. They have three players already with six home runs, which is just really incredible when you think about it. Yeah, man, I'm not surprised. But uh, tip your hat to IUS. They competed well that first game. They did. You know, it was a one-run game. Uh, they actually got a guy thrown out at the plate on a wild ball. Great play by Shamoy Christopher. A nice little flip there to get the owl at the plate, save a run. They ended up winning that one by one run. So IUS, they can compete, man. I just think when you run into Tennessee Wesleyan right now, play your A game, kind of hope that they don't play theirs. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part is that if they're on, I mean, they're they're a buzzsaw so far into this season. So uh, I'm definitely interested to see what they can do further down the road. I think it'll be really, really good ball club that Billy Berry has put together there at Tennessee Wesleyan. Our NAI ball hitter and pitcher of the week, our hitter of the week, if you couldn't guess it, well, it's going to be Tennessee Wesleyan slugger Gary Mattis who went 9-for-12 with 10 runs, 6 home runs, and 14 RBIs. Again, in his first three games of the season, he went 9-for-12 with 10 runs, 6 long balls, and drove in 14. Absolutely incredible. Our pitcher of the week is going to be Bruton Parker, right-hander Ben Harris, who had 7 innings pitched, 1 hit, no runs, 14 strikeouts, which ties the national high with 14 strikeouts against Cumberland, Tennessee. Cody, dominant performances from our hitter in Pitcher of the Week. Gary Mattis, I mean, what can we say about this guy? As a freshman at Florida Atlantic, hit 344, had a 23-game on-base streak, was really good there, ended up going to Juco out in Gateway in Arizona, uh, hit 360, led the country with 64 stolen bases, came to Tennessee Wesleyan last year, opened, by the way, first three games last year, 9 for 12. Same as this year. So obviously he likes consistency. He can really, really hit. And he's going to be a fun player to watch. Cannot say enough about him. Ben Harris is a guy that was on your radar early. Got to give you credit. You were all over him last year. 
And uh, you were on him this year. We mentioned him to Baseball America as, hey, this guy's a prospect to watch. I mean, this is a player that hit 97, we were told. I mean, we were told that he hit 97 last week against Bluefield, touched 96 against As Cumberland. a freshman. As a freshman. I mean, touched 96 against Cumberland. And this is a starter. I mean, this isn't your bullpen arm coming in for an inning, throwing hard as he can. This is a guy that's going to carve you up for seven innings. And uh, really just a special talent, something you do not see very often at this level. Yeah, you know, when we turned in names to Baseball America, both of these guys were on that list. Uh, you know, I think Gary Mattis is a, is a guy that you have to watch continuously throughout the year. And then Ben Harris was a guy that I felt had been kind of left off the preseason uh, NAI All-American list. I think he's a COVID freshman right now. He was a true freshman last year. You don't have a lot of true freshmen in the NAI coming in straight out of high school and just pumping low nines like Ben Harris is. And, I mean, you look at his numbers, 2-0, ERA, 12 innings pitch, 23 strikeouts, absolutely dominant. And, and to speak about, it's not just Velo. He's going to sit in that 91 to 93 range, but it's not just Velo. And we're going to talk to him more in a little bit. He's our interview this week. But the command, one walk, two hits, opponents are hitting – against him. He's going to play in a good conference. He's going to play some good teams, you know, but to have that velo that he has as a true freshman, as a COVID freshman now, and then he's a two-way guy, Cody. He's hitting 417 right now. That doesn't include the three hits that he had earlier today against Middle Georgia State. So coming into that, into today, into these games, he was hitting 417. I mean, what an incredible find, you know, that that they were able to get him down from Illinois. And I know his brother's the hitting coach at Bruton Parker, but, you know, for them to to be able to get Ben Harris to come in to Bruton Parker and have the things that he's doing, I mean, he he's a cornerstone into getting Bruton Parker back to where they, they were. Big-time player, like you said, because he's playing every day. When he's not pitching, he's hitting. Uh, he had one in the doubleheader. He went six for eight with a home run and a double against Cumberland. Uh, one day in, the, in game one, then come out there in game two, strikes out 14 against them. I mean, he's just a dominant player. I mean, he's an impact guy. And, you know, he's a guy that's going to be there for another year. He's got this season. He has to play for them again next year. So, uh, honestly, we say we think he's going to get drafted. Yeah, it's just huge for Bruton Parker, honestly. Bruton Parker's got to be excited that they get him for a a full other year, you know, that there's a whole other year for him no matter what happens at the end of this year. You know, he gets he gets a whole nother year at Bruton Parker. So absolutely fantastic job by both of those guys. Uh Cody, I, I know it's kind of off script here. We don't have it down, but is shortstop the most packed position in the nation? I know in the very first episode, I posed the question, is it pitching or is it outfield? We're finally gonna get to see Colton Williams this week. Uh we're finally, you know, there, there's so many good pitchers around the nation. We're, we've been talking about Ben Harris. We were talking about Pino and Pablo Arevalo and, and all of these guys from around the nation, you know, obviously pitching, but you get, you know, three or four slots for that in an All-American list. But there's one shortstop. Is shortstop the most packed position in the NAI right now? Man, I think it has to be. I mean, you look at Sam Faith at Southeastern. You look at Georgia Gwinnett's Gabe Howell, Benedictines, you know, we got Daryl Myers, Gary Mattis. Like, I just, I think it's loaded, man. I mean, I think you look at three players, you look at the guys like Faith, Howell, and Mattis, who honestly jump off the page to you. They're ranked 
their ranked prospects in the NAI. They all went off this weekend. Individually, all of them had incredible plays, made big-time moments. And I just think, yeah, I mean, I think shortstop right now, the NAI is super deep. It, it is. I mean, in, in my opinion, it's the deepest position we've got right now. And then so it comes down to you've got all of these studs at it. And putting together that list is going to be really hard at the end of the season to say, the this is the best player at this position this year because you're going to have so many good players at that position and you might get a utility pick in there you know for from the shortstop level it's just going to be really hard i've just been so impressed with some of the season starts that that players have had from around the nation um you know in in just the way that that teams have gotten the year going so a lot to look at and before we get into our weekend games and series to watch, we talk with our NAI Ball Pitcher of the Week, the first ever underclassman to join us. It's freshman, technically COVID freshman, right-handed pitcher out of Bruton Parker College in Georgia. Ben Harris joins us now on the NAI Ball Podcast. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, all the way from Crystal Lake, Illinois, well, currently in Georgia is Bruton Parker pitcher Ben Harris, and he is having an absolutely fantastic start to his career. He's a COVID freshman coming off of a .75 ERA season as a true freshman, a 4-0 record in six starts, two complete games, one shutout, three saves last season, 36 innings pitched, 24 hits were given up last year, but he only gave up three earned runs, 48 punch-outs. Opponents only hit 180 off of him last season, and he has been absolutely fantastic to start the 2021 year once again with a .75 ERA to start 2021. He's 2-0 on the season in 12 innings pitch with 23 punch-outs. He's also RNAI ball pitcher of the week. Ben, man, thank you for taking some time out of your day to join Cody and I. I know you've got uh, a ball game coming up tomorrow as we're recording this a few days early of uh, when we record the NAI Ball podcast, but thank you for taking some time out to jump on here with Cody and I. A couple of firsts. You're the first Bruton Parker player we've ever had on the show, and as well, you're the first underclassman. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure coming on here. Well, we're definitely, definitely, definitely glad that you can join us and I guess first, just kind of take me through how you uh, wound up at at Bruton Parker and kind of how that decision went on into, uh, you know, you choosing to leave Crystal Lake, Illinois and go to Georgia because there are some, you know, there's plenty of NAI schools in the Midwest and all that, but but I think, right. you know, really finding out how you wound up in, in South Georgia would be would be an interesting story. Uh, I started, uh, coming down here, uh, because, uh, my older brother who got a great opportunity to come down here and, uh, to be a hitting coach. And he has coached me for my whole life since I was little playing T-ball. Um, he's a great, he's a great hitting coach and he always wants, uh, develop me as a better player and a better person. He, last year he guided me as, uh, giving my life to Christ last year and he recruited me. Uh, and I loved what Bruin Parker had uh, with the conference, and I, uh, they had great exposure in the SSAC and opportunities to be seen talent inside of the conference. And yeah, you know, I think that that's kind of an interesting one, you know, because obviously the the family ties, Cody, would would play a big role there. But kind of take me through what it was like on the bump last season for yourself. 
and being a true freshman and going out there and putting up those absolutely gaudy numbers at the start of the year? Uh, I don't know, really. Just like just just being myself, and uh, really, I knew I was capable of just going out there and just really shoving and just really just being me, like just not thinking really on the mound, really. Um, and there's really no need to really just be pressured. Really, it's game baseball. It's supposed to be fun and it's like once in a while I'll probably think about like my mechanics on the mound which I really don't need and all and really makes my heart rate maybe just go up um, a little bit and I have to take the time to slow myself down and my goal for the season really is just really slow myself down uh, and slow my heart rate down and not really rush because I'm a really uh, get the go guy and just get the ball, get on the mound, throw the ball and catch the ball and go. And my man, you do that very well. So in addition to being a stud pitcher, one of the best pitchers we have in the country, uh, you also hit for them. You're a two-way player uh, in the double header against Cumberland. Uh, you went six for eight. You had a home run. I mean, obviously a big offensive day for you too. You hit north of 300 last year. You're hitting north of 400 this year. Uh, talk to us about hitting. Like, What do you like better, pitching or hitting? And I guess, how do you feel that you're so successful contributing both ways? Uh, I would say uh, it's, it's a really hard question there. Um, I would say I, I like both, really. Like, I can't really choose one. Uh, I love hitting and all that. Like, I've hit my whole life and just just love having uh, my teammates behind me as I'm in the box, just cheering, my, uh, cheering on me and hearing my name uh, while I'm in the box and hearing uh, my walk-up song when I go up there. Uh, but uh, pitching, just I, I love pitching. And like, if a funny story is that uh, in high school I started uh, pitching, uh, started pitching again uh, my junior year uh, because they needed a closer. And uh, my junior year I started doing thrower program uh, for the summer team that I was going to be playing uh, for, and I did that throwing program which covered driveline program and weighted balls and plyo balls and uh, what's before um, for a couple months. And I gained nine, uh, 10 miles an hour, my fastball and which really blew my mind away. And like, really, I can't really choose one. Um, I really love both of them. Ben, will you kind of take me through first? I think, you know, kind of your, your approach at the plate because you, you have had some really good at bats this season. And then on top of that, uh, you talked about your velo there. Um, I hate to give you the two-part question here, but you talked about your velo. Perfect game had you as one of the top thirty pitchers in the whole state of Illinois coming out of, you know, or right-handed pitchers in the whole state of Illinois coming out of high school. You were able to increase that that velo. We talked a lot. You talked some about plyo balls, you know, and and some of the things that you did to work on that, but. Tell me about what you're throwing right now, and I guess let's start there. What you're throwing right now and and how that ball c- feels coming out of your hand right now because there's been an increase in velocity for you since you got to Bruton Parker, and it is definitely, definitely, definitely uh, people have noticed. Yeah, uh, really just like my junior year of high school, I started just focusing on my body more and really just taking care of my body, and like till today I've – I've always done uh, the driveline program and did the weighted balls every 
um, really every outing I have and really just uh, doing my workout uh, before uh, I step on the mound. And um, really just, it really blows me away that like my worth ethic and how I just, it really blows my mind really just how I came from just hitting maybe in high school, like maybe in the mid seventies and to just hitting 90 miles an hour. And it's the greatest feeling ever. Well, you talk about that right now. I mean, the 90 miles an hour and it, it really, it depends on who you ask because everybody's going to kind of give you a different answer. Um, But you know, you're basically, sitting 91 to, to 93, but you've been touched, you know, you've touched into above the mid nines and into that 96 range right now. You're, you're 19, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you, there's not a lot of guys. And I think Cody, you can, you can vouch for this. I mean, we, we talked maybe you and I about the last player in the NAI to, to have some kind of numbers like this. And it might've been Matt Merrill at uh, USAO to be this young and have th- that kind of velo numbers at, at that age coming out as a true freshman, but even Matt Merrill, you know, Ben, the difference between you and him, Matt Merrill had professional experience before, before all of that. Um, so mm-hmm. you've definitely made some, some major jumps, but would you say that that 91 to 93 is, is pretty accurate for you? Uh, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I mean, it's truly special stuff thinking about all the starters I've seen at Gwinnett over the years, the only two guys come to mind, uh, Cole Uvula and Pedro Garcia, but both of those were seniors. Like both of those guys were upperclassmen. And like for you to do this at 19 years old, is just truly special, man. Thank you. I, I do want to circle back. You mentioned that you look forward to your walk-up song. Uh, we got to know what is your walk-up song to the plate? Uh, it's called dance. And I don't, I can't remember who the artist is, but uh I really love it because it brings a good vibe in the dugout and gets everybody really going. And just that, like, I'm not a big, like, rap fan. Just, like, I, I, I'm a pretty good vibe guy. Just getting everybody up in the dugout. So what's your approach at the plate? You got your vibes going. You're listening to your music. Then you step into the box. What are you trying to do every single time you enter that? Uh, just really just see the ball, like, a little bit more. And, like, I've I've had a – a little tough time just seeing the ball a little bit like at night sometimes, but I got a lot better uh, the past week. And my approach really is just really not to like spin or anything like that. And just to get my front foot down and um, take the ball, the, the light poles or right center. It's really my approach. Let's circle back to also uh, your last start so far this season against Cumberland, seven innings pitch, one hit, 14 strikeouts. You throw a shutout against, you know, Woody Hunt's team, which is impressive in its in itself. It's a huge, you know, coming out party for you because that's that's a big time, big time, you know, game to throw for yourself. Take me through kind of what your thought process was on the mound for that game. I didn't really think about anything really. I just again, I just played, just play the game I love and just be me. Um, really, they were they were a really good team and they were really tough. They were scrappy team and had a, a bunch of good hitters uh and yeah the decision to go to Bruton Parker obviously your brother was on the staff there that played a huge role how big of a deal was it for you that your brother was there and how big of an impact has he made in your years there obviously working with coach Larson has been incredible someone so close to home we talked about it earlier just talk to us about that relationship because not a lot of people have that right uh me me and my brother really have a 
great connection with each other. Uh, really, we're really just neck and neck with each other. Um, really, just working with them every week, uh, every day, in the cages or whatever in the weight room, or really means a lot to me just to have them right by my side still in my college days. And uh, really, it really means a lot. And he and he he was a, he's a big role model to me, and I always wanted to be like him. I always wanted to be a coach or what if baseball doesn't work out and all that. But yeah, he really, he really means a lot to me. And, uh, I love what coach Larson does and what his direction to the team. And he develops pitchers, uh, in a great, uh, in a great way. Uh, he communicates pretty well, um, all the time. He always keep, uh, keeps everybody accountable. Um, and always looking out for the team. It would do anything for us to play on a bad day or a rainy day or anything like that. You you hit on your goals for a little bit there. What's what's kind of the ultimate goal because as of right now just, you know, you you still have even if this year f- finishes out, when this year finishes out, you still have another year of of college baseball before you have an opportunity to be draft eligible. What is the overall goal for you? Uh what are what are you looking at? You know, what's kind of the dream for Ben Harris? Uh Really, the dream is uh, I, I do want to go to the next level, and I got a ton of work to do there. But that's really my dream I, since I was little. I always wanted to play for the Chicago Cubs or whatever like that, uh, Chicago White Sox. I'm a big Chicago fan. Um, but that was really my dream when I was little. And really just being myself, just uh, playing the game and just really have fun and not just like, deep myself down if something something goes down if i had a bad at bat bad outing or whatever like that but yeah ben man before we get going anything you kind of want to want to say anybody that you want to thank i know we we've given a lot of high praise to your brother to and you know to coach aaron larson but you know anything that you want to say before we let you get on with your day we're definitely appreciative for you taking some time out of your day to to jump on with us the first ever underclassman first bruton parker player that we've had and uh, we're definitely thankful uh, that that you uh, pretty much signed up to do this. I know Coach called you yesterday and, <laughs> and was like, "Hey, this is you know this is something that that you want to look into." And we're definitely glad that you're joining us. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for uh, bringing me on. It was a it was a pro- it was a big pleasure. And a huge thanks to Ben Harris for joining us on the NAI Ball Podcast. All of our callers this year are brought to you by Silverback Sports and the Silverback Sports Hotline at Shop Silverback and ShopSilverback.com for all of your arm care and training essentials. Cody, games and series to watch this weekend. It's a shorter list than normal because we continue to struggle with weather. Uh, it was something where last weekend I said, you know what, we're only going to get the games that are going to be in uh, South Florida and California are the only games that are going to play last weekend is really what I thought. We we had a much smaller list of, of games around the nation than uh, we should have going into this weekend. At the same time, we don't know what it's going to be because in the Midwest, in the in Texas, you know, it, the weather's still pretty finicky. Uh, but there are some confirmed matchups that we're going to go over and a huge collision to talk about as well in our weekend games and series to watch. We'll start it off here with the Masters takes on William Jessup University. Arizona Christian will play LSUA all week long. Brian takes on Middle Georgia State. They also take on Point Park and Madonna. 
Weber and Kaiser will meet in a Sun Conference matchup. Bellevue in Fort Worth to take on Texas Wesleyan. USCB versus St. Thomas University. Loyola in New Orleans will take on Freed Hardeman. Asbury in Georgetown. Oklahoma Panhandle State and the University of Southwest in a pretty cool matchup getting to play out in the Panhandle in Amarillo. And those two teams will play at the minor league ballpark that they have out there. And then the LSUS, the Cajun Collision. Cody, this is a huge matchup here. It's going to be LSUS, Benedictine, USAO, Lion, IU Southeast, and Central Methodist. This is going to be a huge, huge, huge matchups for these teams that are going to play each other. LSUS is 2-2. Two and two. Benedictine is 4-0. IU Southeast is 3-3. Three and three. When we take a look at it, USAO and Lion getting to play their first games of the year, and then Central Methodist is 4-0. Cody, man, let's talk a little bit about this Cajun collision. We usually don't really get too deep into our weekend in games, you know, weekend games and series to watch, but this is an interesting one. This is going to be a big one, and it was kind of put together in a hurry here. Oh, yeah. You know, our Southeast Rumble got rained out last week. So this was made up on the fly, and this is stacked. I mean, you have five teams ranked in the top 15 nationally. We got number two, number six, number 10, 11, and 14. And then you got Benedictine, who's coming in 4-0, and ready to just shock the nation. I mean, look at this for Daryl Myers and Michael Slayton. Dude, I am stoked to see them go against these arms. I mean, I'm just super excited for that. We were just talking about shortstop. What about Central Methodist shortstop Sergio Macias, one of the best players in the country? Uh, I think this is a loaded event, man. Honestly, I'm more intrigued to see how Benedictine does against them because this is big for the Hart Conference. I mean, you go out there, obviously them and Central Methodist both, they go out there and put up some wins. How good does that look for the Hart? So I think this is a loaded event. I know Shreveport has been itching to get back out there. They didn't get to play last weekend, so they're excited. Hell, Lion and USAO haven't played all season. We're still waiting on Colton Williams to throw an inning this year. And, like, that's our guy. We're excited to see Colton Williams get back out there. I know he's excited. I actually spoke with him today. So, yeah, I mean, this is a big-time event. Shout-out to Shreveport. Shout-out to our guy Brad Neffendorf for putting this together. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This is a beautiful facility, too. Sports Complex in Sterlington, Louisiana. That is a beautiful facility. They have really great fields. They're going to have video. They're going to have a really good live feed, too. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the Cajun Collision. Yeah, this is great for the NAI. I, I love getting these tournaments together. Uh, we wish the Southeastern Rumble would have happened in a hole, but you know this is a really great job to by LSUS to get this get this thing going. You mentioned uh, Sergio Macias. I was a big fan of his until he told me he's a Loreno Alexander product, and then uh, you know his Bulldogs and and my McAllen Bulldogs have a little bit of a a baseball history. So you know, all jokes aside, I mean he's a huge, huge, huge player. Uh, LSUS. Two and two to start the year. A big opportunity for them to come out and play some really good ball clubs. I am super excited about this. I mean, we're going to get to see IU Southeast again in a huge matchup against some really good teams. Ben Benedictine, getting to watch them 4-0 on the season, getting to watch Daryl Myers go out there and just absolutely get to play some really good arms. I cannot, 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 cannot emphasize enough how great this is going to be overall for these teams and how great this is going to be for, you know, the experience that these teams are going to get so early on in the season. I mean, I'm excited to see Michael Slayton, Daryl Myers four games into the year hitting 857 is just 
it's it's stupid. Stupid. There's there's it, there's no other way to put it. It's stupid. You know, uh, it's Man, just like how about Gary I, Mattis. Yeah, Gary Mattis, incredible. How about IU last? You go out there. I mean, they got. I mean, they were taken to the woodshed last Saturday against Tennessee Wesleyan. Those games yeah. weren't close. And then what do you get to do this weekend? You get to come back and you bounce right back against Shreveport and USAO. You're playing the number two team in the country and the number six team in the country. I mean, you can mm-hmm. get it right back this weekend. And that's what Ben Real wants. I, you know, the head baseball coach at IU Southeast. That's what he wants at the end of the day because you know he could sit there and and schedule you know little sister of the poor all day long and put his team in a position to be like you know what look at us we're we're twenty eight and twenty nine and zero or you know but at the end of the day when you go to the national tournament like all of these teams want to do like all of these teams have the potential to do and be competitive in that situation you need to have this experience in these games to say. We've seen good arms. We've seen good hitting. We know what to expect. We know how to bounce back. We need that adversity. So, I mean, for IU Southeast, you take a look at it in 2017, they were, they were one game away. They were a few outs away from going to the NAI World Series. So it is going to be really good. Uh, USAO, I'm, I'm happy for Mike Ross and his club that they finally get to go out there. I'm excited to see Luis Paleo. I'm excited to see Colt Williams go out there, Gene Moutonaire. I really want to see how USAO is going to be. I don't think they're going to have just me personally having seen them multiple times over the years with this squad. I don't think Cody that they're going to have a huge amount of trouble on the pitching side because they've been so good. That's kind of what they've been known for over the years is that Mike Ross brings in and develops these pitchers. But at the same time, you you lost a big piece in Matt Merrill. There's no way around it. And like I said, you always want that kid to go to the next level. You don't ever want to stop that kid from going to the next level. Nobody's ever going to say, "Don't go pro." Like that 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 would be just be insane. Mike Ross will would never say that. You're like, "Yeah, it's a tough loss. Yes, it sucks, but guess what? Congratulations, Matt." So, it's next man up, and I really want to see how they're going to do with that for USAO. Excited to get them back into the season. I think this is absolutely a great job by LSUS to put this together. Uh, I'm super excited to see this. I can't wait to watch it this weekend. I hope I get more of an opportunity to watch baseball this weekend than I did last last weekend. Um, you know, power pending, of course. We're, we're just fortunate enough to get this podcast rolling. So really, really, really excited to to get to see this matchup, this Cajun collision happening out there. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. USAO and Lion getting their first games of the year. Central Methodist out there as well as Benedictine and LSU Shreveport. I mean, it is going to be huge. Central Methodist has really an impressive offense. They played it their first series in a huge ballpark and were lights out with that offense. I'm really excited to see they what they can do. USAO. I mean, welcome, yeah. to, welcome to the baseball. USAO, man, they come out there swinging first game of the season against a very good Central Methodist club. Yeah, uh, that's the best part. Otero or Schwellenbach, you got potentially an All-American on All-American with Colton Williams and Schwellenbach. I mean, big-time matchup right away. Absolutely. Moving on now to our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. We will kick things off with Tennessee Wesleyan versus Indiana Tech. Cody, Tennessee Wesleyan 6-0. They were supposed to play Cumberland's Kentucky today, but I, I believe on Instagram I saw that it was like snowing out there in in uh, 
where Cumberland's is. It, it was not good weather for them to play. Really upset that they didn't get to play. That would have been a great matchup for Tennessee Wesleyan today. But TWU has just outscored its opponents by a huge margin, 80 to 14. Gary Mattis is hitting 750 in three games with six home runs and 14 RBIs. Alex Flock, 556 average, six home runs, 13 RBIs. Zach Hoygensen, 545 average, six home runs, 19 RBIs. As a team hitting 403, as a team on the mound pitching. 220 staff ERA. We cannot talk enough. We have, I don't, I don't think we can talk enough, but, and we've already mentioned them a lot in this podcast, but Tennessee Wesleyan has been nothing short of impressive. They are Cody's pick to click and win the national title. Indiana Tech is playing their first game of 2021 against Tennessee Wesleyan. What a way to open up the year. They were 11 and 5 in 2020 with a 323 team average and a 481 staff ERA. In 2019, though, Cody, this was a really good ball club, 42-16-1 with a trip to the NAI World Series. Give me some thoughts on this big series of the week between Tennessee Wesleyan and Indiana Tech. Well, I mean, I think when we saw it, we were like, all right, that's a big series. I mean, Indiana Tech actually opened their season last year against Tennessee Wesleyan, and they beat them. <laughs> so, I mean, it was their first game of the year. It was not Tennessee Wesleyan's first game, and it didn't matter. Indiana Tech is a team that I think we can kind of just address now is they're probably the WAC favorite. They have been the best team out of the WAC the last couple of years. Um, this is a team that went to Lewiston in 2019. Big opening weekend for them. Because as much as we sit here and we talk about Tennessee Wesleyan, and we're going to because they've just been outstanding. You go out there and you take the series, well, that puts the attention on you. They've been running through people. So if you go out there and you beat them, all eyes on you. But uh, for Tennessee Wesleyan, man, just really sensational. I mean, you look at guys like Bryce Giles, Carson Ford, Gary Mattis. I just I really don't know how you get them out. And I don't know how you get them out three to four times a game. It's going to be really tough. You're going to have to outslug them because I, I think that's a team that's going to score eight to nine runs a game this year. I mean, I just do. I think that they're going to put it up on people. So I'm looking forward to see what Indiana Tech looks like pitching-wise and how does the offense respond. It's going to be a really great series. Again, like you said, these uh, Indiana Tech opened their year with them last year with Tennessee Wesleyan. Uh, for Indiana Tech, such, just great, great, great exposure for themselves in the first game of you know first series of the season for Tennessee Wesleyan another opportunity against a team that's going to be competitive when it comes to the national tournament a competitive team in the WAC that is going to do some things compete for a WAC title and just continually hit the baseball I mean you get to see if they can do that and for Indiana Tech on on their side you know you get to see what you're made of right out of the gate you know when you're going to face some adversity against a team that's just been a buzzsaw to start the year so it's really going to be a good one Cody our other Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week is Vanguard and Hope International. We go out to the West Coast. Hope International, 4-4 four and four to start the year, a 296 team average and a 623 team ERA. But Tony Monroy has been absolutely on fire, a 500 average with five home runs and 14 RBIs. And then at the same time, Izzy Fuentes, an ERA below one with a .90 ERA, a 2-0 record, 10 innings pitch, and 14 strikeouts. And, and looking at Hope International, uh, actually, when I wrote all of this down, they had a 296 team average. But since then, Dak has been updated, now hitting 309. So they are definitely swinging the bats well. For Vanguard, they're 7-1 with a 338 team average, a 239 team ERA. Grady Connor with a 542 average, 13 hits, seven extra base hits, two home runs, and nine RBIs. And then left-handed pitcher Justin Graves, 
no ERA through nine innings pitch and 10 strikeouts with a 1-0 record. This is going to be a really good one. Vanguard out in front. Hope International 4-4. Four and four. The strangest thing about the GSAC every year is we feel like we have no idea whenever we try to pick a winner, whenever we try to think that there's a clear favorite. It is dog-eat-dog. It is just an absolute slugfest out there as far as just being battle on battle on battle. Anybody can beat anybody. More times than not, Cody, in the GSAC, everybody's so close together that at the end of the year when we're looking at, all right, well, where's everybody in the standings? It's like a a five to six team race for who can win the conference title. Yeah, I mean, it's just so deep. There's a lot of parity in the GSAC. One of the best conferences I feel like in the country because I don't look at the records. You know how we are. We look at the talent and we look at who did you play. And I think this is a, you know, a dog eat dog conference. Looking at Hope International, Monroy has been incredible. Uh, five home runs on the season. And really, man, he has torched St. Catherine. Had three home runs in one game the other day. Last week, he hit a huge grand slam to lead the comeback against them also. Uh, just big-time performances by them. Uh, Fuentes, Izzy Fuentes, the Faulkner transfer. I know you remember him at Faulkner. Pitched against LC at the World Series. Uh, got a win out there in Lewiston. Was a big-time player for them at Faulkner. Had an injury. Had to take some time off. Went out to California where he's from, and you know he's back to being a dude again. This is a guy, uh, Fuentes, I always remember, had a big-time pickoff. Uh, he could throw him. He'd pick you off at first, man. Don't get caught sleeping on that guy because he nailed LC with it a couple of times. But a uh, big-time pitcher for Vanguard, you know, they're actually moved up. Their average moved up to 348 now. They're hitting 350 as a team nearly. Aki Buxton with the two home runs against Ben Yu the other day. I actually hit a game winner against them. Big-time player, man. I think that this is going to be – a telling series for us because you know going into this matchup we have no idea which of these teams is going to perform better this weekend and i think that's what makes it fun man i think you go into a gsac series like this where literally either one of these teams could win the conference title i mean william jessup could win the conference title the masters could win the title. you just never know and i think this is a big time matchup they have four games against each other which i think is really going to tell us a lot early on so we're really looking forward to this one Hope International has played Ben Mesa, Lewis Clark State, St. Catharines. That, that's who they've played so far in the year. And then they're going to play Vanguard right out of the gate in their conference season. I mean, it's just absolute craziness for, you know, for uh, Vanguard actually now 9-1, and one, as I'm seeing two wins over La Sierra now. I mean, they've played Corbin, St. Catherine, Benu Mesa, and La Sierra to start the year. Their only loss being a 4-3 to three game against Benu Mesa. It is going to be an absolute dogfight, and that's my favorite thing about the GSAC is when we go back, you can go back to 2019 and take a look at those conference standings and see that William Jessup won the conference with a 24-9 record. Arizona Christian went 22-10, and and then Hope International, 21-12, Westmont, 20-12, the Masters, 20-12, I mean, just absolutely, there were so many teams right there within three games of William Jessup and then Arizona Christian within one game of William Jessup in, in 2019. You know, and then you look back into 2020 because they were playing conference games at that point. Westmont obviously got the most conference games in last year with 16 played, but the overall standings were Westmont 13 and three, Vanguard nine and three, Hope International seven and five. That's just your top three. So you're taking a look at two of the top three teams last season in the GSAC in a shortened COVID year, getting to play each other right out of the gate. 
to start the season. It, it's going to be fantastic. And actually, when they played last year in a four-game series, Hope International actually, you know, they dropped three or four. So, Cody, I mean, this is going to be a really, really good matchup. I'm super excited for this one. I'm super excited for Tennessee Wesley and Indiana Tech. It is going to be a fantastic battle. Uh, so definitely, I think this was a great pick for one of our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. Cody, man, before we get rolling, before anything else happens today, you want to give me some final thoughts? I know uh, there's a lot going on uh, around the nation. We're trying to keep an eye on scoreboards. We're trying to keep, make sure DAC stats is updated. We're trying to check schedules and, and see who's playing who and what games are where because things are constantly evolving this year more than any other year that we've done this. Yeah, they really are. And I do want to give a shout out. I feel like there's more streamed games this year than any other year, which is always nice to be able to just watch different teams around the country. I am locked in, though, to our big series of the week. I think HIU and Vanguard has my attention. Uh, HIU, I feel like it's just a team that's just so under the radar, man. They won the tournament in 2019. They made Lewiston in their second year in 2017. Vanguard is a team that's always in the opening round, it seems like, every year. They haven't been able to get back to Lewiston in a couple of years now, so... I think this is the matchup I'm most looking forward to. And obviously, Indiana Tech, Tennessee Wesleyan, see if Tech can take a couple of games off the Bulldogs. And just watching baseball, man, just checking out the games across the country. That Cajun collision down in Louisiana is going to be absolutely insane. I know those Saturday matchups, especially the early Saturday matchups, I'm really looking forward to. So I'll just be tuned in like every weekend, man, watching baseball Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There are no excuses. Do not miss it. There's games around the nation. There are more stream games, like Cody said, this year around the nation for you to watch. You need to be tuned in. You need to be paying attention. You need to be locked in to who's doing, you know, who's playing who. And just there, there's so many good games this weekend. The Cajun Collision, Tennessee Wesleyan, Indiana Tech, Vanguard Hope International, Loyola, Freed Hardeman, you know, Tennessee Wesleyan, Bellevue. There, there's going to be, or Texas Wesleyan and Bellevue. I mean, there's there's going to be, so many good matchups and battles. Watch a game. If you're done playing, you got nothing to do, watch a ball game. Watch a ball game. Get to see who around the nation is going to be a contender at the end of the year, who's going to be in the national tournament. Check it out. It's going to be an action-packed weekend as always. So that'll do it for us here, Season 4, Episode 4 of the NAI Ball Podcast. Thank you to Ben Harris for joining us on the show, of course, via the Shop Silverback hotline at ShopSilverback and ShopSilverback.com. Thank you, as always, to Cody Butler for joining us here on the NAI Ball Podcast. If you need him 24-7 for all of your new stat scores, information, as always, at NAI Ball on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. For myself, the host of the NAI Ball Podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, you can find me at RobG1063. Give me a follow. Let's talk. NAI Baseball, if you've made it this far, you need to download, subscribe, share, post on social media, post it on your Facebook, post it on your Instagram, post it on your Twitter, your Snapchat, everything like that. Let people know what you're listening to. Give us a rating if you haven't. Drop a comment down below if you haven't already. Let people know that the NAI Ball Podcast is not just your home for NAI Baseball coverage, but your number one home the largest source of small college baseball around the nation, constantly updating you with all of the new stats, scores, and information from around the nation. 
So make sure you're doing it. Make sure you're getting all your teammates to subscribe and download, your assisted coaches to subscribe and download, your family to do it. All of the information that you need right here every single week. So until next time, for Cody Butler, I'm Robbie Gutierrez. We hope you have a great week and even better tomorrow. Stay safe, stay warm.